0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
2: You're tuned in to Heat
1: Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... It's a special bonus episode with Steve Ashburner, who is the senior writer for NBA.com. He has also been in the business a very long time. He's a savant when it comes to the league. He covers a ton of ground in this interview, from the changes in Atlanta and Dallas to now the LeBron James-less Lakers and their chances for just making it into the playoffs. Really great interview conducted on my show, BetMGM Tonight. Let's get into it, Nick. Drop that generic-ass beat. All right, so we start this interview out with the breaking news about LeBron James and his ankle injury or his foot injury or whatever it is. Steve breaks down that before we pivot into a discussion about the Pelicans. He's so knowledgeable, guys. So listen in.
2: Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, If it truly is several weeks, and if that's not just throwing the marker out there to um, give him an opportunity to – Uh, look like Willis Reed from back in the day and coming back uh, when he's least expected. If it's, if it's legit, then it's going to be very difficult for the Lakers to climb up uh, into serious playoff contention. Now, I'm not going to say they can't snag a play in spot, you know, to get, I mean, they're only what a couple games behind, if that from the, uh, the 10th seed, but um, to think that they can with the new personnel and with LeBron out of the mix and teams Game planning more for Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell, um, that's going to be a, a heavy lift. And so if it's multiple weeks, I think, I think the Lakers are in serious trouble.
1: Steve, one of the teams that we were all very high on was the Pelicans coming into the season. And I know that they've had injuries, right? You've had injuries to Brandon Ingram, to C.J. McCollum, to Zion Williamson, uh, Herb Jones. But outside of that, even when they have been together, they just haven't really been great defensively, which has been their calling card. Uh, and offensively sort of have been struggling as well. Like, What do you make of this decline outside of just the injuries?
2: Well, I mean, you know, that, that's like, uh, you know, how did you feel about the play, Mrs. Lincoln? I mean, that's a pretty big thing to, um, you know, to get around that, that one bad situation. I mean, Zion Williamson, 29 games. I mean, if if you told any of us at the beginning of the season he was only going to play 29 games, you know, what would you think of the Pelicans' hopes? Now, you might say, well, they should be better than what they are, but, I mean, they're, they're just off the 500 mark, so um, I don't know. I think that, I think the competition in the West is part of it with them. Um, I, I get it. You know, uh, they, they probably haven't performed well, but it's hard to coalesce. Um, around anybody when your franchise guy is is out so mo- so much, so um, I, I think that's been the worst of their their problems. I mean, they're you know they're, they're they're not a strong offensive team, but again, that you know when you got Zion Williams and, you, and you're counting on him to uh attack the rim and get multiple opportunities and collapse the defense and and all that everybody else suffers as well so you know i they were playing well earlier i get that but once you get the sense that well you can't even count on um you know the players you need i think i think the bottom can fall out and it did kind of fall out there in in the middle of january
1: the reason that i ask is because without zion last year they had that magical run, right? They played the Suns really tough. Defensively, they were able to get things done. And offensively, even integrating C.J. McCollum into the lineup after the All-Star break, things just really clicked. And I, I guess I'm just curious of why it hasn't been able to click the same way this year.
2: Yeah, well, it's a great question. I don't know whether Willie Green has run out of uh, you know tricks in his bag, whether they were playing on an adrenaline situation, whether teams were were underestimating them and not not taking them as seriously on the schedule and they opened eyes and and all of a sudden now they're uh, they're more priority I mean a lot of those intangible things can can affect performance and make it difficult but you know uh, injuries with this team in particular jumps out at me
1: we also pivot over to the Mavericks Steve of course weighs in on whether Kyrie and Luca can actually work this year before we then transition into the mess in Atlanta and whether it can be fixed Really great discussion here.
2: Um, Enjoy it while it lasts. (laughs) I I, I have a hard time imagining permanence to this beyond what's left of uh, this season and um, postseason for the Mavericks. It it just doesn't, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine anything long term with Kyrie anyway. I mean, there's always turmoil. There's always churning. There's always relocation. Um, he wears out his welcomes. There's no reason to think that pattern is going to break in, uh, in Dallas. Um, it was an odd move when it, when it took place. I mean, they, they sold us on it as, you know, Luca needs a breather. Luca needs to get off the ball. His usage rate has to go down. And, and I guess, I mean, it makes sense from the standpoint that, you know, Kyrie is a, a great bundle of skills and, you know, he will, Control the ball, um, you know, as, a, as the best option that Luca's had. But um, I, I don't really like the fit. I think defensively they're going to pay a price, and I think Kyrie is, is going to want to, um, if he can, end up in in Los Angeles with LeBron next season. Part of it is what they did after they um, after they won in 2011. They they wanted to be, you know, smarter and ahead of the curve, and they kind of broke up. That team, um, you know, Dirk Nowitzki had to put up with not a lot of help for for most of his career in, in Dallas. Um, you think of the best players, you know, that he played with when they were a legit contender. I mean, what are you talking about? Josh Howard, um, you know, uh, an aging Jason Kidd. Um, that has been a problem. I, I don't know why. I remember when Mark Cuban, I'm over to remember when Mark Cuban bought into the league. And you had owners and and GMs around the league who were scared to death that Mark Cuban was going to get all the free agents. I mean, he was known for, you know, putting um, little TVs, flat screen TVs in each player's dressing stall. Um, You know, these little niceties that, that might appeal to players. I know they had to, you know, sort of keep that in check in terms of uh, what would qualify as a salary cap violation. You can't do too much. That's, outside of salary to, um, to entice players. But, you know, that was the fear that this new age owner was going to uh, corner the market. And that that's never really happened. And um, I think they they face some of the financial realities that, that other teams face. Um, they've never been, you know, a real glamor market and free agent destination. And, and that really hasn't changed. And um you know, then you look at when guys go there. Who are they going to play with? I mean, there are probably as many stars who don't want to play with someone like Luca as do want to play with someone like him because they have to stand around and wait for him to distribute the ball or not. And you know, I, I think that that uh, you know clearly, you look at it that way, and it's it's, it's a mixed blessing.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Talking about people who stand around when they don't have the ball, Russell Westbrook sort of comes to mind uh, as well. Uh, I'm curious about your thoughts on just this Quinn Snyder hiring at this point in the season, five years, but the first year is right now, the last 22 games of the season or whatever, and just the fit with Trey Young. Uh, and how this is all going to work? Because it feels like Atlanta is low key a very dysfunctional organization.
2: Well, just because you mentioned Russell Westbrook, I want to go on record and say that that this latest episode, the trade deadline, and all of that did what I might have considered kind of unthinkable before that, and they made Russell Westbrook into a little bit of a victim for me, a little bit of a you know, he was scapegoated, I think, and and it, it had me or it has me, you know, pulling for him to to actually have, you know, good impact on the, uh, the Clippers. As far as Quinn Snyder, you know, a couple of years ago, Minnesota blew out Ryan Saunders as coach, and they went outside the organization during the season, and they hired Chris Finch. It brought him in. It was controversial at the time um, that they didn't promote from within, even on an interim basis. And uh, David Vanderpool, you know, there were a lot of people that were upset that, that, that he, w- he was not the guy that was given that job. Um, because of, you know, minority considerations and everything. But Minnesota stuck with Finch. And next thing you know, I mean, he was able to use what was left of that season as a real-time training camp, as a way to really learn his roster. Now, that was a team sort of at a different point because they were were hoping eventually to get to the postseason. But with Atlanta, I think it's some of that. I think that why wait? Why, you know? if you can hire the guy now and he's the guy you believe you want, bring him in, let him have this runway to you know whatever next season brings. But in the meantime, salvage what you can this year. They entered this season with with you know fairly high hopes that they would bounce back from a year ago. You know, the the Eastern Conference Finals were just in twenty twenty one where they overachieved and got there. So I think they I think they haven't you know spit out the bit on on this year. And as far as Trey Young, I mean, this is really going to fall to him. I mean, he he's going to have to grow up and accept that he is a team leader. Team leaders have to do more. They have to attend to their teammates' games. Um, you know, it's hard to criticize his his x and o's because he scores a lot and he and he racks up assists. But it's more than that. You know, it's on practice days. It's in the locker room. It's 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 on the buses and the planes. And you certainly, if you're going to feud with your coach, and he's and he's feuded with. The last two with Lloyd Pierce and, and most recently Nick McMillan, you know, people are going to look at at that as uh, something to follow too, and, and and at least undercut, you know, the authority that the coach has. So I mean, he and he and Quinn Snyder need to, um, you know, they need to, in essence, be joined at the hip and, and on the same page, and whatever other cliches I could think of to uh, to make sure that they're not at odds because the team won't get any traction if if those two can't make this work.
1: Quinn Snyder, uh, obviously with Utah had one of the best offenses in the league, but defensively they were abysmal. Do you think he can turn this defense around?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, although, you know, the thing that they, that they had going for them with Nick McMillan is that, you know, his reputation was a, a defense first kind of a head coach. And I saw a stat just a few weeks ago that said the, um, the best five-man lineup in the league was uh, defensively was Atlanta's, with you know Capella in the middle, with Trey Young and Dejounte Murray, and with uh, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins as, as as a fivesome, and that's their their most used lineup, and um, right up there at the top in terms of defense. So it's when it's when they go to the bench that things start to uh, to fall apart, and you know that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good challenge for for a coach, but um, they have the makings of it, I think, uh, based on that starting lineup.
1: Finally, Steve gives an opinion on a team that's very easy to overlook right now, which is the Philadelphia 76ers.
2: Well, I, I think it is a three-team race. Uh, maybe I'm giving too much credit to what um, Philadelphia might be able to do. I, I've been impressed. The guy that I've been a critic of in the past with James Harden, I have to give him his props because... Uh, He has sort of altered his game to fit their needs, and and I wasn't sure he would ever do that. In fact, I talked to Philadelphia media people, and they they are in constant fear that he's going to revert to form. But I don't know why he would do that. I mean, the success has been there, at least in the regular season, for him to be playing this way. Um, To me, you know, injuries with, with Embiid, I mean, they have to manage his health and make sure that he's, you know, he's as close to peak as he can be the fact that, um, you know, if they if they wind up in the third spot, um, you know, you right now, I guess it's the Knicks, but, but you could end up facing Miami, um, you know, and then, and then they would have to get through both Milwaukee and Boston to, uh, to get out of the East, you know, and that, that's a, that's a, that's a big challenge. I, I don't know if they could pull that off, but, you know, I'd like to see it. I, I'd like to see it from the standpoint that, I think Joel Embiid is a, is a serious uh, MVP candidate. Um, you know, I know the voting is closed once the regular season ends, but um, I voted for him last year. He didn't make it. I'm, I'm really curious to see if, if they can catch either of those two teams. Uh, that would enhance his case, and, um, you know, we'll see. But, you know, then you've got to get into Doc Rivers and what he does in <laughs> Team Sevens.
1: Many thanks to Steve Ashburner. Follow his stuff on NBA.com, also on Twitter, A-S-C-H-N-B-A. Thank you to my co-host Nick Ashew and my producer Scout Lynn on BetMGM Tonight. You can follow us there if you like to bet. 7 to 11 Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's all the time that we have, folks, on our bonus episode. Check back Friday. Do not forget to watch that feed for past episodes and interviews and for bonus episodes that continue to drop unexpectedly throughout the week. Follow the Heat Check. Tell your friends, download, subscribe review, all of that. Tell your friends, every single one of them and follow us on social. Of course, this heat check on TikTok, Trista Crick on TikTok, because I keep giving you news. We keep giving you commentary and tea because the heat check never sleeps. We'll see you next time.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?